Diane, it's 4.39 p.m. Welcome to another episode of Twin Peaks Peaks. We are going to be covering Season 2, Episode 5, The Orchid's Curse. My name's Ashley Brandt. My name is Matthew Olson. That's my name. Alright, and in terms of revival news this week, there's kind of none. It's out there, but it's a spoiler. We don't talk about that stuff. Exactly. It's all very hush-hush. Hashtag keep the mystery alive. Yep. So. Got anything else to talk about in the news? Someone uh, for this thing called Game Making Frenzy made a game called Fire Dance With Me where you pick your favorite Twin Peaks character and they have a Dance Dance Revolution style dance off against a sobbing Leland Palmer. Hmm. I'm mostly surprised that that didn't already exist. I don't know of any other little Twin Peaks vignette games. I'm sure there's some out there. But uh, if you know of any good ones, I guess, listeners, send them our way. It'd be fun to check out. I really think Twin Peaks would lend itself well to like an adventure game, like kind of like an investigative game. Just because, not because like it'd be fun to solve the mystery, but because it'd be fun to like just click on a thing and then hear the description of it. Like just to explore the Double R Diner and be like, click on giant ice cream cone. Hear what Cooper has to say about that. I don't know. So that's the news this week. Coming in 2018. Click on the ice cream cone. The role playing game. (laughs) Would you create your own character? Would you be able to like equip your character with like a log or a tape recorder? I think you should choose between being like Cooper, a member of the sheriff's department, a mystery kid, or the log lady. <laughs> Those are the people in the know. You get you, you get bonus points if you're the log lady and you successfully get rid of your gum at the diner without Norman noticing. <laughs> There's a little That's stealth, a, a little stealth a section. Game. Yeah. Metal Gear style. Okay. I like that. Um, the Orchid's Curse. Let's talk about it. All right. So this episode opens up with Cooper talking to Diane as he extracts the ear plug that he's been chewing on from his mouth. Large, tasteless gumdrop. Yeah. But this is like the most human we've ever seen Cooper look. Because because his hair is all messed up and he didn't sleep well and he's just trying to get his day on the right track. after bags under his eyes. Yeah, he's he's not uh he's not as most composed this moment. And then, so Cooper's going to do his daily headstand. <laughs> and finally, at after, last, after episodes of this just like hanging around, much like the entire Audrey plot has been just sort of hanging around. We're gonna get some advancement there. He finds a letter that he forgot about. Well, he's that like, he hasn't seen yet. He didn't forget about it. He. Did he grabbed pick it up it, before? Right? I think he grabbed it and like set it down and then got shot. Oh. Yeah. But then how did it end up under his bed? Yeah. 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 Is this more or less frustrating like for you as a viewer than when Cooper doesn't remember his dream where he is the answer to who killed Laura Palmer? Do, do you mean... Am, so am I frustrated that the letter sits around for so long this this isn't like a question of like bad writing but this is like a genuine just like viewer experience question um i think that in terms of 
the way that it gets Cooper and Truman to One-Eyed Jacks to rescue Audrey, it's not the worst. I just think that the the premise of the plot line itself of having Audrey get stuck up there and then not doing that, not resolving that sooner. We're now five episodes into season two, and this is when we're finally going to tie that you know cliffhanger established at the end of season one up. Like, I feel like this plot line could have been truncated uh, for better effect, if anything. But I also don't like the general gist of it anyway, having Audrey be kind of trapped and so forth. Like, mm-hmm. but the latter part's fine. I like the way he discovers it. Like, it, like the headstand thing is like a great visual gag. That's true. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't make me. I mean, I guess the the dream thing didn't make me that mad either because it's like, of course, they're not just going to be like, I know who it is. And any viewer who's upset about that being the case, three episodes into a TV show that's established as mystery should check their priorities. Like your time is not so valuable that you should have that answer within three episodes. I mean, I still found that frustrating, but I also like... Every time I watch Pan's Labyrinth, I get really frustrated when Ophelia eats the fucking grape. And every time I get really tense and want to scream at her not to eat the grape. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Okay. And like, you got to give spoiler warnings when you talk no, about I other don't. stuff. No, I don't. Yeah, sorry. The Pan's Labyrinth, is uh, that's lost on me. Never, never seen that movie. Well, don't, don't you ever get frustrated when you see a character do something stupid and you know that they have to do it for the plot, but there's not even like a good compelling reason written into the plot for them to do that? Yeah, I guess, but... It's like every horror movie ever. You're like, don't go into that house. Well, I don't There's watch, the answer to all of your problems. I don't watch horror movies, and when I do, I understand that, to, that a big part of it is going to be... Like, I can't think of a horror movie that comes to mind where the characters make good decisions and then are still foiled. Like, I'm sure that that kind of archetype has been tried. But if I'm going to watch a horror movie, I just kind of have to accept that for there to be real peril, these people are going to do some foolhardy things or just, like, unadvisable things. Like, some... <laughs> like some teens are going to have sex in the woods and that's just going to invite the murderer into the cabin. That's like That's, like, basically, like you know, putting the welcome mat out there for Freddy or Jason. Like, you know, I just have to accept that as a viewer is the way I see it. Speaking of poor decisions, <laughs> Which the one? mystery kids. Well, everyone, but also okay. the mystery kids. Well, I guess this, this week our mystery kids are just Donna and Maddie, right? Which James, James is just around. Of, I'm in favor of like just team Donna and Maddie. I find them. It's more tolerable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fewer of them there are, there are, the more tolerable it is. No, uh... Well, I think mostly, like, removing James from the equation, like, helps. Because it's no longer, like, Donna's weird flirtation with James and, like, James being a shitty boyfriend. And... It's, well, it's no longer Donna doing Laura dirty and then also Maddie being there and then James doing Donna and Laura dirty Laura's cousin, like, it, 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 it removes the triangle thing. It and does. then they're just, like, two girls who sort of kind of like each other. Mm-hmm. Who want to still fuck with this shut-in to get the diary. <laughs> yeah. They're Which, so mean to Dustin and Hoffman. <laughs> okay, what's his name? His name is Lenny something. 
Okay. Harold Smith. Good enough. Dustin Hoffman. Nope. <laughs> it looks I'm seeing like... it less and less week by week, the Dustin Hoffman comparison. Whatever. Um, I'm, I'll post a picture of a side by side and everyone will see what I mean. Okay. You do that. You, you it looks update like he the got, Twitter with it that. It looks like he got highlights in this episode. <laughs> to start I, get, us off. I get that. I get that. Um, yeah, the, the Mystery Twins plotline this week is it's kind of just real weak. I don't know. Um, Donna has this information. So creepy. In the context. That whole episode. Yeah. In the, in the context of this show where like time, you know, only 12 days have passed since Laura Palmer's murder. There's something. Um, Donna's moving at a quick pace. Like two days after meeting the Meals on Wheels guy, she's going to steal the diary. But her like she has two attempts in the space of this episode alone and just decides not to make off with it after the first one. Like you were you were free to go. You just cared too much about this guy Harold like also, not handling being outside. But also, you're clearly gonna do him wrong anyway. She could have just tossed the notebook somewhere out of reach. It's not like he was gonna crawl to get it. Then just deposit him back in the house and go get the notebook. And be like, goodbye forever. You're not going to find me because you can't leave your house. Um, My note on that is, Donna, you fucked up again. Well, yeah, that's almost constantly my note for Donna. Um, no, I think... Uh, what, what what to think about this episode? The, the story that she recounts about Laura and the three boys... Um, for a for a Larflin Boyle um monologue, essentially, it's a lot. It's a lot better than her screaming at Laura's tombstone. Yes. Um, a lot a lot better done, and the content is. I mean, this is more concretely. I think there's maybe some question as to whether or not Donna's like embellishing this or making it up. Uh, for Harold's. Mm-hmm titillation or distraction or whatever but content wise it seems to fit in a lot more with what you know we've heard uh about laura's uh diary and um just it it pushes that sort of the 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 first episodes the first few episodes everyone's in town is like yeah laura had this dark side and whatever but it doesn't seem like anybody necessarily had like a face to face with that. And here's Donna saying like, no, we weren't just like best buds. And I knew Laura was troubled. Like I was in the shit at the same time sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting character moment, at least. Do you have any thoughts on it? Um. Yeah. I mean, again, there's like this emphasis put on like a younger or like two younger girls being preyed on by older boys and like. It's weird thinking about like my own like adolescence and like knowing situations like that were happening like when I was around the same age and at the, that time it seemed so like yeah we're gonna be 20 in like a few years seven years that's not a big deal that's totally fine no totally not fine <laughs> yeah. the only reason that like young people and young girls think that's okay is because they're really young and naive yeah that um, does not seem okay from the other side of that age spectrum it does not. And and as such, I don't think it's like, I think it's material that is surprising to see broached on, on you know, a cable, or not cable, a network television show. Um, even just like talking about it in this, you know, like, obviously, it's just all you need is the context of it to know how creepy it is. But like, there's, it's not like it's going into like, 
all this detail or anything. Um, but it's, it's a, I don't know. The, the story makes me uncomfortable and Laura Flynn Boyle sells it as opposed to like, <laughs> I don't know, just like overselling it. <laughs> There's like, I've, I've, I've not, you know, She's I have a, not much to say about great acting moments for her throughout the show. Yeah. But this this ranks pretty far above Laura's gravestone and Certainly. miles and miles away from Donna smoking in the jailhouse. Oh my gosh. She wanted to do it through the bars, you know. She really sold she that. She wanted to do it through the bars. <laughs> um if we want to talk about something that's like maybe a little much, uh, jumping ahead to how this episode ends with Harold clawing at himself. That was so much because there is no way you could do that to yourself and not flinch. Yeah. Uh, not only is it is it seemingly impossible the way it happens, like he just kind of gently drags the, uh, what do you call that implement, that gardening implement? troweler no um a trowel uh, well it's not a trowel because a trowel is like a shovel right oh you're right i don't know what that I'm is i'm not much of a green thumb so it's some kind of claw thing uh it's a cloth. Uh, ash's mom or my mom help us out uh <laughs> uh yeah so drags it across his face without like really like pulling that hard and then it's just like oh shit he's bleeding yeah um but like Harold's motivate like why he's doing this to himself isn't exactly clear. It certainly is scaring the shit out of Maddie. Yeah. But like why and it's it's I don't know. It's it's this moment that's being played as so terrifying, but it's like nowhere near like Bob crawling over the couch. Oh yeah. Like it's it's so heavy handed that they've even it's one of the few times that they've busted out the Dutch angles. Mm-hmm. Um which because they don't do that a lot in this show that is like supposed to be spooky scary um it it is really noticeable um and it doesn't do a lot for me like i think as a cliffhanger and just like okay so he made his face bleed because these two who could just run out the door pretty much and be home exactly, scot-free. Exactly. I don't know why uh, Maddie didn't just run. I don't know why Maddie's roped in on the plan in the first place. You want to talk about something that makes me upset as a viewer, which is like, why are you making this decision? Donna not only had that opportunity and then just like kind of biffed it, but could have done it again because Harold doesn't like never come back. Which he should have been. He should have been like, you use my disability against me never come to my home again yeah but instead donna is like oh it's okay i'll distract him by making out with him which she also does uh, she does not do a great job of like doing convincingly um i you know i applaud this show for having a very awkward insincere makeout for so long (laughs) it's not a great scene but you know what the audacity of actually showing it for that long and making us really feel that was good they really went Um, the distance yeah i mean you've got donna who clearly isn't into it and then harold who probably doesn't know what good making out is save for maybe no yeah like probably not so (laughs) so it works it works as a scene uh but that's the plan i'm gonna do this while you sneak in maddie and get the book doesn't that doesn't that remind you though of blue velvet the break-in for blue velvet the break-in for blue velvet is like a leagues ahead smarter it's like definitely yes that's true 
But like those mystery teens, like more more than not, had their shit together. He just flushed that toilet at the wrong time. He would have been fine. Alas. <laughs> he never would have had to shoot Dennis Hopper. So <laughs> Could have avoided everything. Could have avoided the whole thing. Movie over, 20 minutes in. But I think the other parallel that's being drawn in this episode is um, between Donna and Maddie and Cooper and Truman, who are on their own mission. Yeah, where they are just kicking ass. Yeah, doing some real, like, miss- Mission Impossible shit. I haven't seen Mission Impossible, but, like... That's what it feels like to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's go through some of this fight choreography that comes to mind. Uh, the first guy Harry takes out, I think he grabs his junk. Just, like, <laughs> like torques like, his junk. Uh, and then Harry then stuffs the ball gag in his mouth, puts the tape over his mouth. And then slams his head into the door. That's like five terrible... Sorry, that's four terrible things. And I think two of the four would have sufficed. Mm-hmm. Like, punch him in the punch him in the dingus, and then ball gag his mouth, and he's probably out. Uh, or, you know, probably one of the two has to be knocking out, right? Mm-hmm. But it just seemed like a, a little much. A little much, Harry. But I guess he doesn't get to do this that often, so... Yeah. Um, which which begs the question, like, where did they get the training for this? And I don't mean Cooper, I mean Truman. Oh, uh, you know, just book house boy things. Just book, just book house boy just, things. Just, you know, some karate on the side. Um, yeah. And then the true book house boy shows up. The true best book house boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> the ridiculousness of the throwing knife thing. I can't believe I didn't remember it before this episode. <laughs> Like, I can't remember, I can't believe I didn't remember that as, like, a character moment for Hawk because it's so <laughs> fucking dumb. It's so, okay, you want another one of my why moments? Why does he think it's just okay to just straight up kill that dude? Yeah, like, good-ass question. Good like, ass he, question. He, has the, he has the element of surprise. He could have done a similar grab balls <laughs> uh, than ball gag tape. Uh, knockout move but instead just like ah knife in the back because that's what i do i'm tommy hawk no yeah no um let's talk about nancy do you even know who i'm talking about is she that's blackie's sister that's what i thought um so like i i really want to know why her character exists yes Actually, because so I, I was i was poking around more and explicitly genre no is blackie's brother-in-law because genre no is married to nancy but nancy hates her sister wants yes. her dead that's all we this is like all we get that's all we get is any motivation on her side is that she's ho- she's hooked up with Jean Renault and fucking hates her sister and wants her dead. And that is not enough for me uh, to just like that is that is not enough details, I think. Um, it also seems like they've been playing a really long game with this and we don't get any, any of, of it, it. Any of it. No. Um, but I, I do. I do like the. Uh, 
like it's it's kind of like Cooper's superpower moments, like showing again where he grabs her arm, like just like without looking as she's about to come up and stab him, and it's just like okay, like Cooper's that kind of kind of dude. But then he like goes for the gut punch, which is a little much. Again, like yeah, excessive force. Come on, like just just get Audrey and get out of there. Yeah, just, just... don't throw knives, Hawk. I know, I know you follow because you're like these two dipshits will probably run into some trouble. But like, leave the knife at home. Yeah. Or like, last resort knife, really. But <laughs> that's his, that's that was his debut at One Eyed Jacks. It's the first time Hawk's been at One Eyed Jacks, and he's just like, well, shit got real immediately. And it's like, well, because <laughs> you threw the knife, dog. <laughs> you made it. You made it that way. They were just gonna be let off, and then Jean Reno was probably gonna like kill him after like some evil monologue. That whole period you could have stepped in and done any number of of less lethal things to resolve the situation yeah in another version of this show someone would have brought a lawsuit against hawk for excessive force (laughs) yeah someone someone who was involved with the illegal operations at this canadian brothel (laughs) would have been like you know what i think i have a leg to stand on honestly no 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 like weirder things have happened anyway um well and my other question though is like so the actress who plays nancy does not look white and i did a little search and she's she's never it doesn't look like she's you know identified her racial background which is you know absolutely her business but she doesn't look white she doesn't look like blackie and my question is why do we have another seemingly black or person of you know woman of color actress playing kind of a brief henchwoman to one of the bad guys in the series one of the bad guys in the series who uh yeah is, yeah <laughs> i want i want to talk more about jean but i guess in, the, in regard to this specific clam i don't know like is this like we don't have that much to go off of i think in terms of or at least like we haven't you know dug up like the the casting method behind this stuff or like mm-hmm. the specific choices behind specific actors and actresses but it's this, this character was written and cast and i don't understand the decisions for the writing or the casting necessarily like why did like why in the first place did blackie need this sister who wanted blackie dead um what does that how does that serve the plot like the double cross could have easily just been jean renault wanting blackie out of the picture or also could have just been anyone else in that brothel literally anyone else yeah or like someone who's like already around not someone who's just like yo popped up from out of town again also i'm your sister who fucking hates your guts and like like is not afraid to like show you when we're in the same room together that i want you dead like that implies so much you gotta deliver on some of that and i don't think that that's uh i don't even know if that information is out there in some kind of like extra extra piece from the show uh yeah it's a good question um especially because as we've talked about there is like no diversity in this show whatsoever and with joan chen kind of tiptoeing off of the set there's even less so was it like joan chen's leaving let's let's what black actresses do we know that are available for one episode i don't know i do not know Let's talk about let's talk about Michael Michael Parks, uh, who portrays Jean Renault. Tell me uh, everything. I'll, okay, I'll tell you everything. Yeah, born in California, not Canadian, as we suspected. Uh, but you've you've seen Michael Parks and things. Can you guess where you've seen Michael Parks? 
Was it another David Lynch movie? No. Okay. I don't uh, know. Think, think a um, louder, more boisterous film auteur who... Um, Tarantino? Yep. Hey. You have. Uh, in, well, in the movies of Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, Michael Parks has portrayed the character Earl McGraw who appears in From Ted Till Dawn and Kill Bill. He's the Texas oh, Ranger who discovers shit. the bride. Um, yeah, now, now it's all clicking in place. Well, yeah. Also in uh, Grindhouse and Planet Terror, or I guess Planet Terror and then Death Proof. Yeah, it's Those Death Proof. two parts. Yeah. Um, uh, it, like, is like kind of established in this like filmic universe because he's always the same character, always Earl. Uh, now with the Dead Till Dawn uh, TV show, that character still exists, but he's being portrayed by Don Johnson. Well, <laughs> so, I think it's weird. It's from Dawn Till Dusk. Oh, shit. Sorry. Getting those wrong. Dead Till Dawn is the uh, Romero zombie one, right? Maybe. I just love the conceit. The conceit of from dawn till dusk. Like there are so many people in that movie who ended up having careers where you would not have put them sure. in this movie. Dawn till dusk is the one with Selma Hayek and the foot stuff, right? Yeah. The conceit of that movie is also so that Tarantino can just like have his day with his weird foot thing. His foot stuff. Well, he has his day with foot stuff in every uh, then in the subsequent movies too. Every single Jesus movie. Jesus Christ. Uh, Tarantino not, not Reservoir Dogs because there are no women in that movie for him to stare at their feet. But <laughs> that was all happening behind the scenes, presumably. Let's stop talking about Tarantino and his fetishes, um, please. That's not. That's a different podcast that hopefully neither of us are on. <laughs> hopefully, you're not starting that one soon because I will lose some respect for you. There should be uh, a podcast about that, though. Meh. <laughs> i don't anyway. want to listen to it but like there's a lot of material for that yeah um so that's that's where you've probably seen michael parks outside of twin peaks he also like you know had some pretty prominent tv roles uh in the 70s and so forth but this was at a he, he at one point in his career he said some things about the hollywood system that kind of sort of got him blacklisted like mm-hmm. a lot of more by the books business people were not Look, not so hot to touch him and put him in roles so i think that this is kind of at a phase in his career where it's like oh he's got twin peaks now he can like have this role and be seen again um but <laughs> i think it's a great disservice like if you go watch that scene from kill bill like his his southern drawl and his like the way he carries himself it's all great uh but i just want to like I just like want to smirk whenever I see Jean on screen because the accent is so bad. The Renault should have just had like a southern cousin. That's <laughs> yeah. who he should have been. John Renault. Um, also, the fucking Assassin's Creed blade he's packing is yeah, just so wait, much. Yeah, wait. One of my notes is like, how is that going to work? You just get in uh, real close for the handoff and then boink. For like a handshake, you're just gonna get him in the forearm, like. No, no, no. You 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 thrust with your whole arm, and then the knife goes in. Oh, so you do like a gut punch, and then and then. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like in the Assassin's Creed games, okay, where I... that's your essential. Like that's the only thing I can think of when I see that, and those are games that are not realistic. No real person would choose to use the hidden blade. If you want to link me to the Wikipedia article of. Uh, hidden wrist blade murders throughout history I will show you a list of assassins who could have done a million better ideas 
and just got lucky. Um, I think we've already established that the only video game I play is Animal Crossing New Leaf. Sorry, I but mean, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's fucking. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a wrist-mounted spring knife blade. It's not a good idea. I don't think that that. John like, and Nancy love knives. That probably would have seemed like a good idea before guns were invented. Yeah, had either of them been packing, they could have won this fight. Oh, totally. And yet. Uh, and yet, you want to talk about something else? Somebody else who um, is just incompetent. Hank. <laughs> Hank, after getting his ass kicked last episode, uh, is snooping around. Uh, tailing harry yeah. and cooper and then just gets caught by jean renault because hank is bad at what he does yeah and is like he's supposed to be like the big wig of twin peaks he, he comes in and he's supposed to be the big bad and he retains that status for like two episodes and now he's just like making really fucking awful attempts at impressing food critics and failing at like fighting and sneaking and Pretty much every anything a like bad this guy is, should do. This is why he went to jail because he's not good at being a criminal. Well, he went to jail because of manslaughter that he did to cover up another criminal act. But that could have gone a different way. I think it could have gone a different way where he didn't go to jail at all. <laughs> His best <laughs> idea was that I need to have a I need to have an alibi. Josie, it's okay. I'll go I'll go hit someone with my car. Terrible idea. Anyway, that's my that's my railing against Hank this week. Um, not all, we haven't really gotten deep into to some deeper subjects yet, though. We're just kind of like we're kind of just dragging these oh. characters for their bad life choices right now. Yeah, but like, how much more is there? Um, I do love that they hold court at the roadhouse. That's a great touch. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the roadhouse can look really regal with the right touches. <laughs> really you think regal is how it looks well there was a brief moment where i was like do they have a court here <laughs> oh i see no wait oh they just they just s- swept up the hay and <laughs> move the tables around uh it makes it makes sense like it's it's a funny touch that makes sense and it also allows for some great little like snapshots like ben is attending uh Leland's hearing, but his outfit. Wait, whose outfit? Ben's outfit. Uh, remind me. Is he not just okay. Ben? Not just wearing a, a suit. He is wearing a suit, but it's a great suit. So okay. it's a gray, like double-breasted suit coat or whatever. And then his tie is like really loud, like neon blue highlighter yellow design not like a pattern it's like an abstract design and then he's wearing a silk pocket square that is also electric blue the same color as his tie oh so this is so this is real good then and i should have paid closer attention i thought you would have well but i just you know um i'm loving that ben horn will not let like 1980s lower manhattan go no that's his, that's his whole thing and richard bamer is the perfect person to put in those clothes um but again i've i think i've pretty solidly established that when i look to one of the horn brothers for fashion i look to jerry I know. and ben just wears his suits but there was no jerry in this episode no jerry in this episode no jerry for a while um r.i.p <laughs> well no okay it didn't just happen off screen um 
I also noticed that uh, Grace Zabriskie was back as a guest star this week. Hmm. Well. I mean, we literally only saw her in the background of that right. shot. I think that that has to be some kind of like formal thing, right? No, yeah, yeah. Because she's like not signed on as a regular or recurring cast member. So when they brought her on, they had to give her guest credit. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on, on the hearings? I, I do find it interesting that the, the angle they're taking it is that the prosecution for Washington would try to uh, try Leo in that state um in the state he's in uh because like i well you you have you have connections to the law you have experience with this is that a kind of is that situationally a kind of thing that would happen someone is 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 brought up on charges while they are themselves unable to stand in court um so they would want to do a competency exam and there's definitely with some competency exams, a question as to like how accurate those are and whether they're deeming people fit who are in fact not fit to stand trial. And the issue becomes the fact that Leo cannot even take that exam. Yeah, yeah, which that's Which should right. pretty okay. squarely like eliminate that. But then the question becomes about like the prosecutor and whether he might have a quota that he's looking to fill. And this might be an easy way for him to put in another conviction. Yeah, and he talks big about, you know, justice for the town and all this. Yeah, so. but but practically, I don't think a judge would ever just, like, decide to try to prosecute especially not someone this, who's mentally Especially not this judge. He's a cool judge. He's a chill dude, you know? He's holding court at a bar, and he's going to take advantage of that <laughs> with some black Yukon punches. That you wanted us to have this episode. I did, and I found a recipe. I'm going to read it, um, and someone should make it... you tell me if it, it sounds gross. Someone <laughs> should make it at home and then tell us that we should do it. Hold on. It's coming up. I'll just, I'll just, um, I'll just say check after every ingredient in this that i think sounds disgusting okay first of all it's a beautiful drink the liquid is black the foam is, is blue. a blue that matches uh ben's tie and well we don't see square. ben drinking one unfortunately we don't but um, it does match his pocket square i don't think thick black drink with blue foam on top <laughs> looks beautiful okay um okay okay so you need two ounces of bourbon okay good one ounce sweet vermouth coffee mm. infused nope one teaspoon check. creme de cacao, and then you make blue cacao whipped cream. Check. And you top that. Ugh. What a way. I think this sounds great. What a way to there's gotta ruin be a those bar, two ounces of there's bourbon. There's got to be a bar somewhere that serves that. I'm shocked that they didn't have that at the Salish Spa, um, considering that this is maybe, That's I true. think, the only cocktail actually pictured in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um. Instead, they had their own little Dale Cooper creation, which was like gin and lemon or something. That doesn't sound like something Cooper would drink. So, but I love I love cocktails that make me feel like I'm at a health spa. That make me feel like I'm on a cleanse. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that the appeal of that uh, Yukon was that it looks disgusting, but like it's supposed to be good for you. That's not the appeal of that one, but my general rule about cocktails is like, would they serve this at a health spa? Do I feel like I'm on a cleanse? Uh, okay. Okay. I'm sure there's some kind of like hard liquor cleanse out there, right? Well, when we went to that bar we went to for grad night... They had they serve a drink there that is literally the master cleanse with vodka. 
disgusting. It was. I ordered it. It was great. <sighs> Lemon, God, I, ginger. I hate um, this paprika. fucking city. Really I just, good. If, listeners, if you're out there, Portland, Oregon is a bad, bad place. Don't move here. We the, don't need our rents to be higher. The FBI should move his headquarters. Gordon Cole should find a new place to live. That's not Portland. That's. I was bringing it back around to Twin Peaks with that little tidbit because because nice. FBI offices they're in Portland in the show. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Portland office. They, they say it a couple times. Hmm. Um. That's not what you would think. Speaking of court, you know who looks fab in court? Who? Shelly. Yes, agree. Shelly looks like the most glamorous, the most glamorous, like almost widow. <laughs> She's really most, close. Most glamorous, most glamorous, um, semi widow. Semi widow. There we go. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Shelley and Bobby. Uh, this is our first episode uh, with David L. Lander in it. Uh, here playing the man trying to sell them this contraption that will hoist Leo out of his chair and into his bed. Uh, David L. Lander. Uh, I believe he was. Of the duo, I think he was Squiggy of Lenny and Squiggy of oh. the show. Is that was that Laverne and Shirley? Well, I, I don't uh, know. I don't know. Shit. Uh, I'll be sure to bring that up on my handy dandy telephone. Um, nice. But uh, David L. Lander, like, very heavily, I think, in most of his roles and definitely in everything you're going to see him do in Twin Peaks, like, comic character, comic relief in Twin Peaks. Um, and. I don't dig it. I don't dig it. This is like, you know, we don't get any Dick Tremaine this episode, thankfully, but we do get this guy who then we have to watch like the the goofy, like he's in the chair, but now he's being slapped up against the wall. Oh, funny. Uh, Bobby. Um, not, not my cup of tea. But I love like. It was Laverne and Shirley. Bing. Got it. I know my go. old TV. All right. But I love seeing Bobby and Shelly scheme and like, like do domestic things. I'm yeah. so team Bobby and Shelly. I'm very team Bobby and Shelly this time around. It's like <laughs> shockingly so. I love it. Um, I just you know, wish I wish that the they could just shine on their own and not be like, not have that scene also turned into one of the like haha moment scenes. Yeah. The episode. But uh, I'm pretty excited for whatever they're going to do with Bobby and Shelly in the third season. If they do anything at all. If they do anything at all, but... If they do. We don't know. I want to see more of them together. I'll just say this. They both look super good these days. They age... Oh my gosh. I think they they age some of... They age maybe the best out of all of the cast. I think they did. Yeah. Uh, so definitely would not object to seeing them more. Just seeing them, just ha- feasting my eyes on the both of them. Just in the background of Dana every. Imagine they're just in the <laughs> standing behind everybody. Uh, they're just in the back, like posing, like highlighting their sharp jawlines. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I want. Kind of getting their best angle, like searching for it in the background of every shot. Um, good boy. I don't don't have a lot of notes here. We could talk more about Mr. Tajimura, but the yeah. only thing is, just like, it's still a bad, and five million dollars is on the table. Yeah, and, and um, Ben Horn just like has this fucking cartoon like dollar signs in his eyes, and one who's just like five million, like yay. 
<laughs> like, okay, we get it. Ben likes money. He's motivated by money. Yeah. Um, Mr. Tajamora says he represents an Asian investment firm, which could mean literally anything. Yeah. Literally any of the thousands of ethnic groups of people that originate in Asia, which is a giant ass continent. Yep. That's pretty much it. It's pretty, pretty uh, concisely sums up how bad uh, that scene is. Ben Horn also has like what looks to me like the world's longest cigar. Did he save it specifically for when someone makes him a $5 million that's offer? His, that's his $5 million cigar. You don't yeah. want to see his $20 million cigar. <laughs> it's obscene. <sighs> you know what? This moment, uh, this, this episode, God, I'm tripping all over my words today. This episode has one just perfect moment. What is do you, it? Do you know which moment I'm talking about? Maybe. I'm a whole damn town. <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to talk about Andy. This uh, I just I love that scene. I love that if you crank your speakers up, you can hear everything that the that the yes. lady on the phone is yes. saying to him, and and the tone she's taking with him, like very patient. <laughs> uh, I and do. This gives some hope for Andy. Uh, in the in the whole. Andy Lucy situation. Well, and then he becomes very alarmed because he tries to reach Lucy, and the number for her sister's house is the number to the Adam to Adam's abortion clinic. I would never go to an abortion clinic that belonged to someone named Adam. Are you, are we sure it's not referring to Mount Adams? It could be, but that's still creepy. Well, it like it'd be the same as saying like the Twin Peaks Hospital, I guess. Like, is Mount Adams nearby? Uh, I should know this since I know Washington. I don't think, I don't think it was like Adams is like, like Adams and then like possessive. I think it was just Adams and maybe it is Mount Adams, but it struck me as like this dude opened an abortion clinic and named it after himself. I doubtful. I think you're trying to find a reason to be wigged out by that name. Uh, Mount Adams is in Washington and Lucy said that she was going to Tacoma. Tacoma. And you, I mean, it's like further south by a ways, uh, by a long ways. Like the fact that Lucy is traveling this far to to do this, rather than just like I don't know, down to Spokane. Like I, I don't know what the state of of abortion provision was in Washington in the nineties, but I have to imagine, given where Twin Peaks is supposed to be set, like it's it wouldn't be that far, I guess, but. We don't know exactly what Lucy's thinking or was going through her mind at this point, uh, why she chose the lie that she did and to say Tacoma. So this is just like unresolved, kind of like, oh no, what now? It might actually be, might actually be Andy's, but what now? Um, and I just fucking, I, I just love that scene though. The whole, the, the fact that it's also Doc, these are Doc Hayward's words being given to us over the phone. That's true. It's not just three men on a fishing trip. <laughs> yeah, once you put Doc, like I can hear that in Doc Hayward's voice now. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, Andy has been getting progressively less smart throughout <laughs> the series. You, you think so? I think so. I think it's getting to be like, it's getting to a place where it's a little unreasonable to believe that he was hired for his job. 
And also, you have a whole department of people. It may not be that many people, but why did you choose Andy to run the front desk while Lucy's gone? Good question. Um, I can I can say that there's one really good reason why Andy has been not two two really good reasons why Andy has the position he does. Number one, he's an excellent sketch artist. That's true. It's demonstrated again in this episode. He is fucking fantastic at it. Uh, number two, Andy inadvertently has made lots of breaks in this case. Okay, but that does not explain why he would have been hired look, prior to this case. Look, um, maybe they just had the right feeling about him. Maybe they like did his like star chart when he applied, and they're just like, this guy's like, like you know, he's like a lucky uh, rabbit foot for the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. We don't know what other success. Andy has brought to the sheriff's department prior you to the this, investigation of Laura he Palmer's just does death. This for every case, I think. I think he might. I think he might breaking be. at the high school, calling Andy. Maybe he'll figure out who did it. And then he like slips on a banana peel. Uh, that also, the, like that act happens to trip the culprit. So you know, could be. We don't know. All right, all right. And but uh, where's still- my Andy prequel novel? But still, why is he running that desk? That's because yeah. There's that no good is reason. Clearly, very overwhelming. Clearly, does not have an organizational system down. And then the question also becomes like, why did Lucy write down the number of the abortion clinic? Why did she mislabel it? I mean, I have my own considerations, but like, that's not. You don't leave that for Sheriff Truman and say, "If you need me, I'll be here." And then they call that number, and it's an abortion clinic. Yeah. I don't know. I do not, do not know. That's all I have to say on that subject. And kind of on the episode, unless you can think of anything that we haven't discussed yet. We're like not going to make it to an hour. Uh... <laughs> but hey, we, we surprised ourselves last week. It's just so happens yeah. that um, this episode, I think you felt that last week's episode, not a lot happened. This episode is just the act of things happening. Like, yeah. little advancements. Like, we get a sense of, like, why this Tajimura character is here. We get a little bit of advancement on Andy and Lucy's plotline. We get some ham-fisted attempts to steal the diary, but not to actually seal the deal. Yep. Um, this is after last week's episode was called Laura's Secret Diary. Mm-hmm. Then again, these episode names, like, came after the fact. So, that's maybe mm-hmm. a little unfair. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, like, a lot of events finally being set in motion and i think you know the worst offender being you know let's go save audrey should have happened two three episodes ago yeah not now so that's my thought on it did you did you feel like this this episode was strong or do you just think it wasn't very eventful or it felt like there was a lot going on like i didn't come out of it being like there's fucking nothing to talk about like i did last week but also everything that happened was so straightforward they Hmm. set out to rescue audrey they rescued audrey they set out to steal the diary and that didn't happen but like we knew that that was not gonna happen we knew that those two are the mystery teens are just incompetent also like Harold went through a lot of effort to build that secret compartment into his bookcase. That is my one final do th- note. Do you think that was? Do you think that was him building it? I think that you could probably like. It's like a Sky Mall purchase. Does he have access to Sky Mall? He doesn't leave his house. I'm sure. Can you get have... a subscription to Sky Mall? Look, I'm. I'm sure there has to be 
this may be a little maybe this, this bit I want to do is maybe bordering on insensitive, but I don't think it is. I think if you are afraid to go outside, there is probably a magazine, a shop at home magazine catering exactly to your needs. And probably that magazine also assumes that if you don't want to go outside, maybe you have a lot of secrets to hide. So how about this like hidden compartment I bookshelf? See if there's a magazine for agoraphobes. Here's something. I know for a fact now that there are fucking uber rich people who will buy and install in their homes fucking like revolving bookcases and shit. Like, that's just so much trouble to go through. And he's probably living on social security disability. Well, we don't know. Like, uh, is he selling those orchids? Like, that's a good question. How does yeah. Harold Smith survive? How does he make money? Yeah. He's, he's got a really, pretty nice house. Some fancy, a, fancy flower equipment. He's got a nice little house in, in Twin Peaks. Uh, you know, he uh, grew up in Boston. So maybe he's got some old Boston money uh, coming his way. That's but true. also, he could be selling those, those, those dope-ass orchids. Those dope-ass orchids. I heard something about the orchids having a curse, but they just look pretty cool to me. Did you see the one with, like, the bottom lip? Like, pretty great. Pretty chill. Some pretty chill orchids. So, I don't know. But he he's creepy. Like, without Laura's diary, he's still a creepy person. He has creepy stuff going on in his house. Yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of... He's kind of a Scooby-Doo villain. His conceit, or his like, life's goal is like he wants to assemble the stories of other people's lives. And that's just kind of cre- creepy. Pretty creepy. Is that all we have to say? That's, that's it. Um... We're not going to get into, you know, any kind of speculation is Harold, like, representative of the impulse of the creator trying to, like, you know, create and or capture, like, lived stories and experiences. Uh, but that itself, like, you know, is a is a corrupting force in one's life that leads you to shut yourself from off from others and and retreat back into a state of being that is less than less than uh, healthy. You're doing a pretty good job with that theory. That's all I have to say. And I don't really think that either. I don't think that there's like a big, big, like symbolic, you know, you kind of thrust yeah, behind yeah. Harold. Harold is, Harold is the Boo Radley of Twin Peaks. That's what it is. There we go. Anyway. Yeah, you can make an ar- argument. Go set a Watchman on, <laughs> on bookshelves now. <laughs> he's the, he's the Flanor of Twin Peaks. But, uh, Wait, what? The flaneur, flaneur. That's a French word. They go out. The flaneurs go outside. Yeah, that's like their whole deal. So he's definitely not that. I know, but he's doing it within the limits of his condition. He's doing <laughs> the best he can right now. I just to fulfill his purpose. No, I don't. As no, a flaneur, I'm sorry. I gotta disagree with you. He's here. a creep who just observes people. That is the definition of that word. Uh, I, I say that's fair, but part of that observing has to be that you also have to wander the city streets. That's what, like, that's okay, what that is very secondary. Is. That is very secondary. I don't second- think so. I think okay. that that's the primary of it because... Listeners, please weigh in on whether the wandering around is a secondary aspect of the definition of Flanor or a primary aspect of the definition of a creepy, weird, intellectual dude who I, just, like, observes people. I'd give it to you if Harold... <laughs> frequently pace around his apartment his house but he doesn't so that's what counts it's the pacing the pacing is really important i think 
it's that weird introspective uh but also like voyeuristic just like sauntering maybe he has like a rear window thing going on a rear view window thing a, a what rear view window i thought it was just called rear window Maybe it's called that. I don't know. Rear view window scared. is just part of your car. <laughs> I got scared that I had the name wrong. Is that what you're admitting yeah. now? <laughs> it's okay. We get plenty wrong on this podcast. Um, but maybe, you know. That said, let's talk about either the internet getting things wrong, or maybe let's talk about uh, the place that we got our food this week from getting something wrong. Um, I'll leave so that up. Choice up to you was directed by Graham Clifford, who is an Australian director, who's won um, some Emmy 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 nominations, Academy Award nominations. No no wins yet, but uh, good for him. Solid solidish episode, and uh, Barry Pullman wrote this, and he has written for Roswell. Okay. So maybe. Also into creepy stuff. I don't is that know. it? Just Roswell? No, no, no. He's written for like a bunch of other shows that like are not very popular and would not warrant <laughs> oh, me naming them. Okay. All right. Cool. Okay. So Usenet this week. I should note that someone at this time did a poll of like who people believed killed Laura. And at this point, the tides have turned. Okay. To a place that we can't go because that's a spoiler. For future episodes because okay. they're correct. <laughs> so I don't even know if we should talk about okay, anyway. Anyway. Um someone wrote Glad to see Cooper had no qualms about hitting a woman, Ari his fight with Nancy, which I found to be very disturbing. Yeah, what the hell? That yeah. kind of like What's wrong with you? Glad that I could read my misogynist impulses into Cooper's actions and of self defense. Gender, gender equality means punching women, right? That's what gender equality is. Um, and then someone made the comment that Harold would love Usenet, which I think is true because he's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most probably sadly self-reflective Usenet post we've encountered thus far. Um, <laughs> hey, I really identify with this orchid guy. He seems kind of. He seems kind of shut off and like he doesn't have many real friends he's hanging out with donna after all which like <laughs> it's fucking scraping bottom the, of the bottom of the barrel but also like he has to hang out with whoever comes to his house he cannot go to people this is why like harold would be having like i, I if shelly was doing the meals on wheels harold would have like already gotten over his like agoraphobia he'd be out he'd be enjoying himself he'd be like you know, he'd be starting in a, like a community garden, Twin Peaks and stuff, because just like, I don't know, so far his track record is he had Laura, who had tons of problems, was mm-hmm. not good to be around, and now Donna, who just like within like she's just the 10 bear- minutes of meeting bearer him, of Laura's issues. Yeah, and also just like 10 minutes of meeting him was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm already starting my plan on how to fuck this guy over. Like, let's be, let's be... Fair to Donna. Honestly, he needs Norma in his life is who he needs. Yeah, or, yeah, like, just not the mystery teens. Um, God, let's just give Donna a little bit of credit. With Harold, it seems like Donna has immediately, like, switched into the mode of, like, consciously figuring out how to ruin this person's life rather than just be like, oh, this happened. I made this situation bad. 
Like she starts plotting right away. So now yeah. she knows that she does that. She she understands herself a little better by now. Um, so there's another interesting theory that pops up this week. So we've heard the aliens theory, the vampire theory gains some traction for a while. What do you think this one's going to be? Mummies. Parallel universes. Oh, so... So Rick and Morty? Yes. Um, um, but this person theorizes that the changing of the traffic lights, which are featured in several shots of Twin Peaks, signals the like switch over to a parallel universe and that's why things don't line up and make sense wait so then every time we see the establishing shot of the traffic light that's supposed to signal now what we're seeing is in a different universe yes and why do they believe this like what is it what is it that doesn't line up for them what is their evidence they point to i don't know this is just the theory there weren't a lot of replies (laughs) to this theory the theory was simply, I bet parallel universes, and maybe it's being symbolized. And my reasoning behind this is, I like, there's not even like a, oh, I just can't remember what happened on last week's episode, so it must be a parallel universe like explanation. It's just this person thinks that, and that that like makes sense. Like I don't. I mean, I might not be doing justice to their theory, but I didn't. There's nothing that pulled, like grabbed me and was like, "Oh, this like justifies this theory." I think it's just kind of like this is complicated. Maybe things are happening Before in different the universes. Before the stoplight changed, Donna. Well, was but I think just like doing Laura dirty, and then afterwards she wanted to do it through the bars. So this is clearly Donna. It's Donna about Omega. Donna. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it could also be that like Bob exists in the parallel universe, parallel universe and not in Twin Peaks Alpha or whatever. Oh, so that's why sometimes people can see Bob and sometimes not. Parallel universe. Look, if it doesn't have to do with the Berenstein, Berenstein bears, I do not care for your parallel universe theory. Okay. So on that note. Um, this week was also interesting because there was a sudden like rise in the number of replies that individual topics were getting, whereas previously people would just kind of like post a topic and no one would respond to it. I mean, some people would, but it was generally like there were two or three where people were responding to a thread and then everything else was just someone being like, here are my thoughts. Uh Um, so this week we're seeing like a lot more conversations. We're seeing a lot of lot longer threads and a lot more interaction. And I also saw the first instance of Leet speak that I've seen on that board. Great. What was the actual context? Like, what was the word? Uh, no, someone wrote a really sarcastic thing about the owls theory. Okay. Hmm. And then so. you were just like throwing in zeros for O's and stuff. Yeah, it was mostly that. Okay. And then some like phonetic spellings. Well, cool. But we had not seen that up until now. I also saw someone 90s using leak speak or early nineties so, leak speak. Great. I also saw someone using a username instead of their real name, which may have happened before, but I hadn't noticed it. But throughout most of the first season, people were using like their real names and including in their signature their phone numbers, their address, what department they worked in, like what their. Te- Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> no way! No, thank you. But this week, I saw someone who called themselves. MC, I can't believe it's not butter. Yo, that's a fire username right there. I like that. 
That's what I'm going to change our Twitter our Twitter handle to. Please don't. <laughs> if you want us to have more than like half a dozen followers, yeah. don't don't do that. Um, um, and then people are aware that the killer is going to be revealed soon, so there's a lot about that as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, that was Usenet for the week. Yep. Or was it? No, that was, was it, it in a parallel universe. This podcast is in a parallel universe this week. Why is that? Because it's so short. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say that that's the reason. Well, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it being short this week. Like, real fine. I'm going to go, like, nap some. I don't know. Maybe I'll get a burrito today. Maybe I won't. We'll see. Nice. I made breakfast this morning. That Whoa. was good. Mm. Bacon, eggs, toast. I'm going to go record an episode of Yeah, I've Seen That. Hey, you're not at plug time yet, okay? All right? We still got to talk about the food this week. We still got to talk about any other lingering thoughts we have on the episode. I don't I don't have it's any. It's not time to plug your stuff, okay? Okay, what did you think of... Okay, first of all, we talked about doing... Okay, we talked about doing that drink, and then you vetoed that drink, which I don't think you should have done. But I also was not willing to buy all of the alcohol involved for that, so... Yeah, I don't know why you thought it was a great idea, because it would have cost so much money and probably been disgusting. That's fair. Thank you for finally recognizing that. It was like a lot of texting back and forth being like, oh, no, it'd be fun. And it's just like, it's got like fucking blue curacao whipped cream. Like, no, no. Um, but then we noted that there's a big stack of donut boxes in this episode. So it's like we're going to do donuts again. But you were on a donut hunt and could not find them at the places we would have rather pick them up from there are other places we could have gone but i was not parking in those places yeah on a sunday afternoon so we didn't go for donuts you got us some hand pies um from new seasons which has now been featured i think three times on this show (laughs) three times four pie on this show possibly let me live it's okay it's fine we're gonna do we're gonna do bigger and better things with pie in the future. I think we should have just gotten coffee. I could use a coffee right now. I haven't had my coffee today, and if I had See, it had right now, I wouldn't up, be wired. Had you picked up your phone when I called you? Look, oh my gosh, you can't you can't even drag me because you just hit the microphone. So my phone was on silent. I was in another room. I'm sorry. We ate this. We hate we ate these hand pies. These, did you say there Huckle- was no filling in them whatsoever. Marion they're Marionberry. And yeah, they're just like, just bready, airy, no filling. Like, like, if they were anticipating these to rise, they should have realized that then that would mean the filling was non-existent. Because it's like, it's almost like a, like a really dry Pop-Tart that then That's like a, yeah. blew up and has has just like an air cavity in it um so not damn fine does not rank very highly on our list of pies no but new seasons i want to see some improvement because this is the right size pie for one person to eat <laughs> i want this to be better for me if you're when i would just want a little bit of pie because otherwise i'm buying that individual pie and then i'm like you know, I already started eating the pie. Got to finish the pie. Otherwise, I'm not not going to buy pie. So really, you have to make this work better for me so that your offerings just force me into better life choices. 
I ask for so hey, little from my grocery store. If you would like to sponsor us new seasons, you know, hit us up. We have, we also have some business ideas for you, evidently. It'd be a lot it would be a lot better if you could like put the witch hazel up on a higher shelf. That's my suggestion. <laughs> um It would be better if you put your breads and your baked goods together in the uh the grocery store that's nearest to Matt's apartment. Right they, now, oh, right. They're on up, they opposite sides of the store, which is not how they are at the store near my house. Sorry. I think they remodeled that store, so that might explain it. Anyway, I guess that's been it. This is a real, real short one by comparison. Neither of us. Is that our shortest yet? Might be. Mm, I think, I think, I think week two, we actually managed to do. A, a tiny episode well let's wrap it up okay yeah wrap it up keep it short yeah i don't i don't see why not i'm certainly not gonna try and uh, rack my brain for anything else intelligent to say um but i will mention this and then maybe it'll turn into a half hour of discussion i while i was uh cooking earlier this week i just put on this interview with david lynch that he did at the, I think, like, Philadelphia Film Institute or something something along those lines. In Philadelphia. Uh, and the, the, the questions were not super great, but I was kind of surprised at how candid he was being with his answers. Uh, to the extent where um, they... Well, one, one, one thing that was interesting was they asked about uh, how he got in with Mel Brooks uh, mm-hmm. to do The Elephant Man, which was apparently that uh, eventually in somewhere in, along the process, they're like, well, you know, Mel Brooks is interested in, in uh, making this film happen uh, and we want you as a director. So we're going to do a private screening of a razor head for him. And David Lynch was like, well, it's been nice knowing you. Like he did not expect that that was going to go off. And then Mel Brooks watches the racer head and fucking loves it and like bursts out of the theater and like hugs David Lynch, um, which is just like a really cool story. Um, and he's like in this interview, he's doing like a lot of peeks behind the curtain of that. And I think maybe my idea of David Lynch is maybe a little too colored by some of the statements he's, you know, some of the bigger statements he's had about not wanting to talk about his work. Um, and also definitely colored by the video uh, where he says that people who watch this movies on their phones, it's a fucking sadness. Um, he, he can, he can, you know, when he wants to be just you know, like kind of open up and share fun stories and share a little bit in, into his insights. Like he talked about his transition from being a painter to doing, um, doing movies and sounded like there was some weed involved. While he was painting one night. All right. And the, Did you and, the know... and the picture just started moving. And I'm like, it sounds like the smoke that you took a break for wasn't a cigarette, David. But, you know. Did you hear about the, the fifth season of Louis and uh, Louis C.K.'s smoking up? No, I didn't. And I honestly don't want to fucking talk about that on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But I could... Louis C.K., I am uh, pretty not okay with right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. So let's not spend any more time on that than we need to. Uh, I should send you the link to that David uh, Lynch interview, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that maybe that would spur something. But you immediately started looking at your phone while I was recounting these little bits. So I think you just want to wrap up. Like, you want this to be short. 
Maybe, because we kind of got on that train. You like you're not even like giving giving your all to like the podcast performance right now. <laughs> People have come to expect a two hour long show from us. I know, but like, what could we do? Like, there really wasn't much going on in this episode when you look at it. There's a lot of. I mean, someone got stabbed in the back with a throwing knife. Like, let's not. We spent let's not a lot do, of time talking about that. But you're right. Let's not do the episode short shrift though and say nothing happened. Just like it was just very straightforward stuff that happened. It's not the most interesting episode of Twin Peaks. There, stuff got finally wrapped, we got stuff got wrapped up. Got that out there. All right, I'm Matthew Olson. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Olson. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay, um, I'm Ashley Brandt. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley Brandt. Our podcast is on Facebook as well as Twitter and Tumblr, and I post different things on all of those platforms. You should check that out. We posted our bonus episode last week talking about our trip to North Bend, so you should check that out if you happen to miss that. Um, Additionally, I host two other podcasts. You also host another podcast. Yeah, I do. It's called Can You Get to That? That's it. You should listen to that. And I host two podcasts. One is called Yeah, I've Seen That with Sandra Dianda for our next episode. We're covering uh, Force Majeure, which is a Swedish language film that's available on iTunes. Or not iTunes, Netflix, but also iTunes. Um, Sandra recommended it, and it is crazy, surprisingly good. So, What about Amazon Amazon Prime? Is it on Amazon Prime? Good-ass question. Sex in the City is on Amazon Prime now. If you want to see Kyle McLaughlin court Charlotte. Wait, why? <laughs> why did that come to mind? <laughs> Have you been watching Sex on the City? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. And I'm also on The K-Hole, which is a brand new podcast about keeping up with the Kardashians. My true favorite show. Both the show and actually just outside of the show, keeping up with them. Real-time Kardashian news. Yeah. The host are you and Taylor, friend Taylor. And you're excited because it's the first podcast of its kind, which I'm like kind of frankly shocked that that's Yeah, I double checked today. We're the only Kardashians podcast. You're the only you're the only two fans dedicated enough to say, Hey, we're not just gonna podcast on this show or like give it a segment on our show. The sh- the the podcast is about their lives. Yep. We're the Entirely. only podcast. I, you know what? I, uh, there's gotta be a fucking audience out there, so I hope it finds its way to you. Thank you. Anyway, that's it. All right. Uh, don't forget to brush your teeth, Harriet. <laughs>